0: Ronananian. You've got to really be careful with Chinese tires. Are they built to the same standard? What's the success rate? The Car Doctor. Dirt cheap is dirt cheap. You buy something cheap, you get what you buy. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open, but I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now he. Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Come on in. Sit down. Ronnie in and the car doctor at your service. Three bays all ready to go and wide open, ready to take care of your car and its problem here at 855-560-9900. The number again, 855-560-9900. 24-7 that number works. Sometimes it seems like that number works as hard as the car doctor. Maybe harder. But that number is there all the time because you can call 855-560-9900. Leave a message if we're not on the air. We've got a messaging service attached to it. We will call you back and get you in queue for the next live show, which are Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 4 p.m., and I say that because some of you obviously podcast this radio show and take it from different sources, streaming and other places, the internet, and, you know, different than a a brick-and-mortar radio station, and you can call that 855-560-9900 number, leave a message, or if you call during show hours, Saturdays 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, East Coast of the United States, and uh, we can talk to you live here on air. How was your week? I don't know how my week was. It went by like... It was like, wow, look, it's Friday. Wow, look, it's Saturday. How did that happen? I was sitting at the deli yesterday, and I've got a lot of things to talk about, but I, I want to just bring this up real quick because I think Jimmy's right. I was at the deli yesterday morning in Franklin Lake's where I go for the for the Friday morning ritual, and there was seven or eight of us, the usual group of, of, of mechanics and mechanic wannabes and just tired people in general, and my friend Dirty Jim was sitting there, and Jimmy said, you don't talk about the road to nowhere anymore, do you? And I looked at him and I said, the road? To... He goes, yeah. You know, and I, f- I had forgotten about the road to nowhere. And I had forgotten what that represented. And it sort of stuck in my brain for the last 24 hours because I think we all need a road to nowhere. I, I, I had forgotten what this concept was, and if you're new to this show and you don't know what it is, feeling stressed, aggravated, a lot going on. we got a big election coming up this week. Who knows where or what it's going to end up, how it's going to end up. I mean, good Lord, they're talking things in the paper I was reading in the news today that they're talking about people stocking up on survival food because of the election for fear of disruption to the commerce system. So, this thing has all of you wound up really tight. Here's how you're going to survive. Maybe this is the road to nowhere how to survive the election Tuesday tip. Put down the cell phone, turn off the computer, gather up your family, and go get in the car. Go somewhere. Go take a ride. Go see the sights. Do nothing. Take an hour's ride to nowhere. Go somewhere for lunch. Make it a destination. Lunch or breakfast? We still got half a weekend left, right? I remember them as, with my father as a kid. My father's trips to nowhere were called. We're going to Chuchistan. Get in the car. I'm not sure where Chuchistan was, but I just know it was very far away. And I remember as a little kid, we never seemed to get there, because I remember the conversation when my father would talk to my mother when they got home, and she go, "Well, where'd you go? I went to get milk. Where was that? Chuchistan?" She goes, "Oh, that place again." And I, you know. <laughs> You could tell that there was a sense of hostility. Of course, when you're seven years old, you kinda don't make that connection until you're older and you realize she's mad at him because he's out gallivanting around with the kids to Pennsylvania for milk on a Sunday morning and you know, but it's 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 that road to nowhere. I forgot how much I enjoy taking car trips. I forgot how much I enjoy cars, and maybe that's part of it in that sense. You know, that's why I like working on them because there is something about just getting in a car and taking a ride going nowhere no cell phone no news on, just talking to your family just kind of, oh yeah that was my kid's middle name in the back seat now I kind of remember who that is I think I'm going to do that tomorrow, actually tomorrow tomorrow's supposed to be nice here in the uh, northeast I think tomorrow I'm going to take one of the last rides in the hot rod, might be one of the first rides for the hot rod this season, I didn't get it out a whole lot But I think I'm going to take a ride in the hot rod. I thought about this middle of the week. It would be a great Sunday to go take a ride and a cruise to nowhere and just kind of mind my P's and Q's in the afternoon and just kind of relax and unwind before Monday and it starts all over again. Because I know come Tuesday, whoever wins this election, whatever happens on Tuesday, I'll be glad I had Sunday and Monday before it of peace and quiet, as much as I could make before the chaos and the you-know-what hits the fan. So... Maybe this wasn't so much of as an automotive opening, but I just wanted to give you that piece of advice because listen, we're like family, you and I we talk about cars each and every week we 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 sit down, we have this conversation. how do we fix this? How do we fix that this week? I wanted to give you a tip on how to fix you all right, and I encourage you to take it and if you want to see something different, just take a trip to nowhere. maybe it could even be at night. My kids tell me one of their greatest childhood memories. And this is this came up in the conversation two weeks ago. We were gathered around the table, and they were telling me, hey, how come, do you remember when, and they started talking about, there's a local airport here called Teterboro. When well, you can go to Teterboro Airport, Teterboro, New Jersey, and sit at the end of the runway off to the side, or at least you could 15 years ago, and we would go down there in what was then the family station wagon, and we would watch the airplanes take off. And they would laugh and giggle and jump around and, you know, bounce over the seats, and it was the it was the trip to Teterboro, the trip to nowhere that ended up at the airport. And it was kind of fun family stuff, and there was no computers, there was no media assaults, there was no yelling and screaming, no, maybe that's what we all need to do, take trips to nowhere, and uh, they could be part of it. Yes, Tom, you have a comment, sir?
1: Yeah, no, I was just going to say, you can tell we're family here, because, you know, the last time you took Tony and I for a drive, I remember you pulled over, turned around, and said, Make me stop this car again. (laughs) Well, that's because you guys weren't wearing your seatbelts. We were wearing our
0: car doctor shirts. Oh, well. By the way, a a tip of the wrench uh, today to uh, Dennis up on Facebook. He's down in Tennessee. He's a car doctor listener. And I got the post this morning. He's wearing his car doctor T-shirt and posted it the Facebook. He's down in uh, Knoxville or Nashville or something. He's just enjoying ribs. And he says, I had to show the locals. Who the King of Cars is, and uh, you're my guy, so we appreciate that, Dennis, if you're out there listening today, but um, yeah, just some wild and crazy stuff. I want to talk to you about a couple of things this hour, and maybe next hour. The repair of the week this week was a real doozy. It was about a uh, 98 Jeep Wrangler with a high idle problem that you won't believe what the fix is, so we're going to talk about that. We've got some phone calls I see lined up in the queue. I want to talk about some of the things that went on in the shop this week, but right now, Let's pull over and take the pause. When we come back, we can hit it hard, and we'll crank the garage doors wide open. I'm Ron and The Car Doctor. Don't go away. I'm coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and The Car Doctor, here. 855-560-9900 is the Car Doctor phone number. Cardoctorshow.com is the website, along with podcasts, available for download and streaming. Tune in, iHeart iTunes all the good places, and uh, Google Patch as well. Let's get over and talk to Peter, Sunapee, New Hampshire, 2007 Subaru, and some issues here. Peter, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help?
1: Hey, Ron. Good to talk to you. Thank um, you, I've got a 2007 Subaru Outback, um, had the head gaskets done, of course, about 150,000 miles. Uh, I've had catalytic converters done, the whole bit. And um, I've had a, a sort of a weird situation where I'm having... Um, some overheating issues where the coolant is backing up into the reservoir tank, um, and there's no leaks or anything like that. I did a water pump; everything's nice and tight, but it's backing up into the tank, and I think it may be because I used some radiator sealant when I was having some leaking. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I every periodically, I have to open up the radiator cap, put some some more coolant into the radiator, and it runs okay, and then it backs up again into the into the reservoir, then it spills out over there so i 'm just i 'm at a complete loss uh, i haven 't done compression tests on the cylinders to make sure that they 're all okay, but the engine has good pep to it, so right. I don't think that there 's anything there
0: right are you Are you consuming any coolant peter
1: uh, It is consuming coolant, uh, but I think that 's because it 's spilling out when it fills that reservoir tank gotcha. to the top because it okay. really does get up high um,
0: ha- did you happen to or have you happened to replace the radiator cap at any point
1: I have not no okay.
0: Um, get your hands on I'm going to give you a bulletin number. Uh, there's a bulletin okay. from Subaru, 08-52-08. That's, that's pretty common, and what that talks about is problems with the radiator cap itself. They talk about the radiator cap pressure valve being stuck open or, and here's the or, which is what jiggled my brain when you said you put coolant sealer in there, debris getting sucked up into the tank hose and causing a clog and affecting the cap as well. So I'm wondering if you've got something as simple as a radiator cap issue. That bulletin talks in detail, and it applies to quite a few model-year um, Subarus, and it talks about modifying the uh, reservoir hose uh, to a different length, and there's a bunch of information there that describes your problem to a T and some of the changes they want um, with regard to length of the hose and the bottle uh, as well as the cap itself. So it could be something as simple as that, and I would tell you, I would encourage you to go through that before you get anything do anything any crazier. Um, okay. You know, so that's number one. Obviously, you know, you want to make sure you get yourself a good radiator cap. Stant would be fine. Get out to com. You'll read more about it. As a matter of fact, Stant has a good bunch of information about radiator caps. I never realized until about 10 days ago we were doing something in the shop, and uh, we were looking at a, I believe it was a, um, a Chevy Malibu, and we were looking at ra- and the radiator cap on that was giving us an issue, and I never really stopped to look at how... Radiator caps are really complicated little critters. You think they're so simple, but they're not. And there's, there's a lot of machining, and there's a lot of it's got to be the right tension spring and the right fabrication and manufacturing in order for it to work right. So um, just make sure if you put a radiator cap on it, you get a good one. Number one. Number two, as long as I've got you on the phone, you're up there in New Hampshire. Um, are you aware of the probability, possibility of brake line recall on that vehicle?
1: Uh, yes, I am. Okay. Uh, it's been off the road for about a year now because of this problem. I've been I've been thinking I'm going to take it all apart and see what I come up with because uh, right. I do have some cool air coming out of one side of my uh, of my heating vents. It's cooler than the other air. Right. So I'm thinking maybe there's something there that's not allowing it to circulate all the way through. Well, and
0: and listen, I'm not a fan of 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 sealers. In the radio in, in the cooling systems on Subarus for some reason Subarus do not like cooling system sealer Subaru makes and let me let me let me modify that statement Subaru makes a specific sealer that they want you to use uh, I, I can't get proof of it but it sure looks like bars leak it sure smells like bars leak but it's in a private Subaru branded bottle and it makes no reference to being bars leak the stuff that's been on the shelf for years and years and years um, mm-hmm. that, that being said, Um, They want you to use it in judicious amounts and, you know, not necessarily the whole bottle at each service. Whenever you, you know, whenever you change the coolant on a Subaru, they want a bottle of this to go in. So, you know, depending upon what you used, yes, you may have created an issue, in which case uh, probably the first thing I would do is just try doing a mild reverse flush on the heater core. You know, hook up, um, you got access to a five-gallon white bucket and two pieces of heater hose? (laughs)
2: <laughs> sure do. You
0: know, and, and, you know, I made up one. I've used it in the shop for years where I went to the hardware store, picked up a hose end so I can put a direct coupling, you know, a, a garden hose into it and just back flush the core into the bucket. And I back flush it into the bucket for two reasons. Number one, I like to dispose of the coolant properly. Number two, when I finally get it all clear and it's all water, the white bucket really makes It's amazing how, how crud will stand out against the background of a white pail so that you'll really see, yeah, okay, look at the size of that. You know, that's pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. At least you know what you're trying to get out. Sure, sure. So. Well,
1: it sounds like sounds like great advice. Okay, Definitely, sir. Uh, that's my course of action. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate and it. If you
0: need more, you know where to find me. Thank you, Peter. You Thank take you. Good thanks care. for taking the call. Thank see you. Ya. Bye-bye. Let's go over and talk to J.J. in New Haven, Connecticut. And uh, must be Subaru Day here on the car, yeah, Doctor. i
3: your second call, Dr. Ron. Uh, thanks and, for taking and, my call. And,
0: and, and 07 Forrester. What's going on here, J.J.?
3: Uh, all of 80,000 miles, I had a tune-up several months ago, and I was told by the garage where I had the tune-up done that I was leaking power steering fluid, and they'd fix it for me for $400, and that I should be seeing it leaking. And it's been four or five months later, I've seen no sign of leaking, and the car's driving fine. I just need some advice.
0: Okay. First first question is, do you trust the garage?
3: Great, great question. 50-50. Yeah.
0: Um so it's not a Subaru dealer. It it it's not or it is.
3: It is not. Okay.
0: And listen, I'm not a fan that you know my perspective is just because somebody has Subaru over their doorway or Chevy or Ford or RA Automotive or whatever. It's a repair shop is only as good as the people inside the place. So right. it it doesn't matter whether they're a dealer or an independent. There's dishonesty in you know in all forms and walks and occupations of life on this planet it seems. Sure. My 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 comment is, you know, if you're suspicious, see how they handle. Hey, can you show me the leak? I, you know, I, I brought somebody into the bay the other day, and I started showing her things, and she says, no mechanics ever done this for me. And I went, well, you know, I want you to understand what we're up against and why we're why we're looking at the car this way, and. She walked out saying, you know, you really made me feel comfortable looking at the car. And that's sort of my job. It's not just there to fix the car. My job is supposed to be to sort of help fix the customer, to get you guys comfortable with what's going on. And and, and part of that is, if I can be on the soapbox for a second, not too long you tell me when to get off, is if you think it's difficult understanding this generation of car, holy smokes, wait till the 2016 start coming out and and need to be repaired 10 years from now. You guys are going to be scratching your head going... My God, bring back, bring back a two thousand six. It was so much simpler, and they're complicated. So you can handle this one of two ways: take it back to them and say, you know, I'm thinking about that power steering leak. Can you show me the leak? Can you show me where it's leaking? And and see how they react to that.
3: All I right. I love that strategy. Yeah. You know, in your experience, Ron, should I be feeling any kind of pull or? tightness if, in
0: fact, it was a leak? Well, only if it was low enough on fluid. But your first reaction or your first indication, J.J., would be you'd get that, you know, power steering wine because there's air in the system. So, you know, do power steering pumps on Subarus go bad? I don't know. Is the sun going to come up tomorrow? If, they, if, it, if it does, it will. But, you know, it's it's it's, and then you've got to have the conversation with them, okay, whose power steering pump are they putting on it? Right, Because you know what kind of warranty is there? My experience has been that the majority of the power steering pumps being remanned in the aftermarket, there's only one or two good vendors, and the rest of them are just I think they're doing it in their basement on in their spare time after hours because they're they're clearly not professional in the way they're put together. So I would definitely compare pricing between buying a new pump out of Subaru a remand pump from a reputable supplier that's going to give you the same warranty as the Subaru dealer and vice versa. You know, if somebody does a repair like that, it should come with a minimum of a year guarantee.
3: And, oh, you are thorough. Just a yeah. follow up, I'm garaging this in a month for five months. Okay. I should have this looked at before I do that. Yeah, I would.
0: Um, listen, don't you want to know that I would have that looked at in a general overall look of the vehicle, because when you garage it for five months and then take it out come, you know, April or March, Right. It, you know, I would have another look and see did anything deteriorate while it was sitting for five months.
3: Right.
0: You know, so this way at least you 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 kind of know. All right. It it's you know cars change in the blink of an eye and the conditions change in the blink of an eye, and then more importantly than that, if you still don't trust these guys after they can't handle this, then you got to find a mechanic. Do
3: you make house calls?
0: Um, I don't know. I got a lot going on right now, JJ. I'd love to, but uh, you know the answer is yes, but no. We'll talk. Let me know what happens, J.J., and uh, have some fun out there in the sun. I guess you're going to Florida for five months. That's why you're putting the car away. I'm Ron and Annie in the car, Doctor. Well, that was a quick first half of the show. Where the heck did that go to? So I'm making Tom smile. I'm Ron and Annie in the car, Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Back, Ron, and Andy, the car doctor, kind of rolling along this hour. By the way, um, what is it with Samsung? Right, we're talking about recalls over the last couple of weeks—airbags, now cell phones explode, now washing machines explode. Uh, you know, is is is? Are, are we just accepting of this? Are we just expecting everything to fail, and we just let these companies keep going on and on and on? How come this isn't like front page news? Everybody's rattling on about it. I remember 20 years ago when General Motors couldn't make a transmission to save their life. That's all we ever talked about. I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, you know, everybody seems to be making a, a crummy product and everybody seems to be accepting of it. You know, it's uh, maybe the future is just going back to uh, juice can two strings. Boy, they didn't explode. So you know, it's maybe all this is hype just to keep us distracted from what's really going on. Let's get over and talk to Ed, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Ed, welcome to the Car Doctor. I'm just rambling a little bit today. How are you today, sir? What's going on? Hi,
4: um... I'm doing doing well. Um, yeah, I have a, a 1995 uh, Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme SL 3.1 liter engine, um, and what's going on is uh, after driving it for a little while, I when I stop at a red traffic light idling, the car starts sputtering. It sounds kind of like reminds me of uh, one of those uh, Harley Davidson motorcycles. It goes bub up up bub bub, and my uh, tachometer needle meter. It'll, it'll, it's on one, it'll start bouncing down and then it finally, it actually does stall. And then when I try to uh, immediately try to crank it back up, I, I get no, I get the, uh, the red death lights come on, the death lights come on, but there's no crank at all. Um, But, but interestingly, interestingly, if I wait like uh, three minutes right there at the intersection, I turn the key and it cranks right up, really strong crank, boom, it goes right off and I'm on my way. Okay. Uh, and, and and then when I'm, uh, then for the next few lights or whatever, I'm, I have to put it in a neutral and give it gas, you know, when it starts sputtering so it doesn't, doesn't stall. That seems to help prevent the stalling, but then I'm, you know, I'm putting, I'm throwing it in neutral, giving it gas, and then coming off the, uh, off the light and everything, but, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm perplexed with what's going on.
0: Uh, belching any black smoke,
4: No, no, it's, that's, that's fine. Um, I, I have a theory that maybe it's, uh, there's a, um, Insulation, plastic insulation over some wiring may, may, be, may be gone, and it's grounding somewhere, shorting out.
0: Well, yeah. you know, before we – it almost it, it almost sounds like you may have two problems. So let's, let's talk about the no crank condition first, all right? Uh-huh. The no crank condition, this car should have pass lock, two. If you look at the ignition key, does it have a little black chip in the key?
4: Definitely does, yep. Okay,
0: yep. so that's pass lock, two. Pass lock, two was General Motors' idea that somebody would want to steal this car. Which I guess when it was new maybe it was something they wanted to steal. And yeah, yeah. They, they, they put an anti theft chip in there so that would keep the vehicle from cranking and put it into a no start condition um if that if somebody, you know, tried to bypass the security system. So mm-hmm. does the car have tilt wheel?
4: Um I I don't think so.
0: No tilt column? I,
4: let me, let me let me think about this. I actually I think it I I've never used it because I don't right. it. I think it but it, it okay, has okay, it, it, but does you does.
0: never use it. Right.
4: It it does have it. Yeah, okay. it does have it because
0: I yeah. What 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 one of the ways we used to test to see if this was a pass lock problem, and it's not completely accurate, but it's a good side of the side of the road sort of test is take the tilt, and the next time it goes into a no start no crank, take the tilt and change the position of the column, you know high okay. low. Because what you're doing is you're flexing the wires, and if the wires themselves inside the column have a connection or a fray or a looseness issue, bouncing them around will change that. And if while you're doing that, it starts or it cranks, that tells us we've got a problem up in the top of the column. Okay. All right? If you were to go to the base of the steering column, there are two very thin, kind of like piano wire, white wires in a separate connector. All right? Those are the two wires leading up that the theft module reads the resistance of the key when you put it into the cylinder. So what happens is Ed comes along, puts his key in the ignition switch. There is a device in the ignition switch that allows it to transmit the resistance value of that chip down the wires to the theft module. The theft module goes, okay, it's Ed and not somebody with a screwdriver trying to steal the car and it then gives the okay signal to the PCM to allow it to crank and, and, and run the injectors, all right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the first thing. A lot of people at this point in the game bypass that system, all right, simply by, and I think I can talk about this on air because I don't think anybody stealing a 95-volt is probably at the top of anybody's list at this point, but mm-hmm. what, what they'll do is they'll, they will take a resistance value reading off the key. Take a d- digital volt Measure the chip, each side of that chip has a little piece of metal sticking out of it. Put an ohmeter across the chip and you 'll get a resistance value. Go to the base of the column, unplug the connector there. go to radio shack, get yourself a resistor. plug it into that harness it 'll think that it 's got the right resistance all day long and start the car all right it 'll require okay. the it 'll require the key still, but at least you bypass that module now. What that does is that bypasses the potential of broken wires up inside the column. All right. Okay. That doesn't allow if the module or the wiring from the bottom of the column over to the module have a fault in them. Does that make sense?
4: I, I think so you're trying to you're trying to bypass that chip by right. the, am I am I basically these two white piano wires you mentioned right. coming out. Right. Right. You're trying I'm, to I'm putting I'm putting a Radio Shack resistor between
0: those? Right. You're trying to put a resistor across those wires, you're trying uh-huh. to duplicate what the key would normally send down as a signal. Okay. So so at that point you're bypassing the ignition switch and the two white wires that might be broken up inside the column. What
4: what do I what kind of resistor do I get? So you think, well, I go in a radio shack and tell
0: them. <laughs> yeah, tell them what you're looking for a a, a resistor that's got one point eight ohms or two ohms or you know, two point two ohms. It's not a lot of wattage here, it doesn't okay, require great. a lot. All right. So okay. that, check, that, check. that, and you, you know what? If you went out to YouTube, I haven't done this in a long time because we haven't seen too many, they're 21 years old now, but I'm sure out on Sorry. YouTube somebody's got a uh, how to bypass your GM Pass 2 key system um, and install the resistor chip. So that, that eliminates that. Okay. Um, that okay. should allow starter enable, all right? Because the PCM did have authority to prevent the uh, starter from cranking on those vehicles. That should allow starter enable. After that, it gets a little bit more involved looking to see, do we have starter enable? You need a scan tool to look at a few things. So that's the first half of this conversation. That's that side of the table, all right? Okay. I don't think that's going to fix your stall problem. What I want to know about your stall condition is I think about fuel pressure regulators going bad. What is this, the one or the 3.4? Which engine is this?
4: 3.1.
0: Okay. So I think about fuel pressure regulators going bad and And burping fuel, the diaphragms go bad, they get porous, and uh, you know there 's issues there, so do we have a problem with fuel causing this to stall, and then subsequently you have this past two key system because i 'm thinking everything 's twenty one years old here, everything you know is kind of on the ragged edge in in terms of age and condition um, could we have could we have a a pressure regulator a fuel system pressure regulator going south, causing it to flood out potentially? Um, giving us a stall condition, and then the past key gives us a no start. Uh, you know, yeah. once you get it to the point of starting or cranking, it's got to crank, all right? Because the logic is what happens under the hood won't keep it from cranking. It's still got to crank, all right? It's it's just like any car where if on an older car, if you pulled the coil wire out, it would crank all day long, but the spark goes nowhere, so it'll never start. The car's got to crank. The car doesn't mm-hmm. crank. We're going to fix the cranking problem first, and if you still have the problem, then we'll talk. You know, is it a fuel pressure regulator? Is it an idle air control valve getting hung up, not able to idle properly? Is it a map sensor issue? What is it? Um, mm-hmm. Let's 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 do the pass lock two issue first. Let's solve that so at least it cranks every time, and then we can talk about the rest if we need to. All right, sir.
4: Uh, okay. The um the one thing I was someone had suggested maybe um the battery. uh it says um it's seen the battery will short out and cause the engine to stall and not crank is there somehow the the battery itself will cause a short in the in the system
0: well i always would start a good diagnosis and it's a good point to bring up i would always start a good diagnosis on these cars by doing a full load test on the battery and, and making sure the cables themselves are good clean and tight not just at the battery but also down at the starter where the positive lug comes in and also at the engine block where the negative cable comes into the ground. Okay. So, yes, battery We're... connections and battery itself. Uh, you know, have I ever seen a battery cause one of those cars to stall? I saw those cars do a lot. I can't recall a battery causing it to stall. I have seen an alternator cause those cars to stall, and that's uh-huh. that's a slightly different conversation. But, uh, you know, uh-huh. before I start reaching for the stars, I'd rather just let's go with the basics. So, yes, battery, cables, connection, cleanliness, and then take a look at okay. Pass Lock, too. Great. All right?
4: Okay, great. Thanks a lot.
0: You're very welcome. Good luck to you, Jay. Uh, Ed, I'm sorry. and uh, Not Ed. And uh, let us know what happens from there. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor, coming back. I'm running late. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Let's go over and talk to Bill, Woodbridge, New Jersey. Some questions about a 2010 F-150. Bill, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. How can I help?
2: Hey, Ron. How you doing? Good. What's going Uh, on? The first question is, uh, I was doing some research and replacing my air filter, Okay. and they said that uh, K&N is is supposedly preferable than a regular air filter. Are you familiar with them?
0: Oh, sure. Absolutely. I've got K&Ns in in the majority of family vehicles. I'm trying to think. I don't think I have a vehicle that doesn't have a K&N filter in it. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. It, said, it said
2: it would even improve your performance a little
0: bit. Yeah, what, what it does is what, what k and filters do is they help um, clean up the airflow, in a sense. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a better-made filter. It's a more evenly-made filter in the sense of air passing through it, so there's less turbulence, and it's, it's smoother airflow. Think of water in a stream bed and, and how that reacts to pebbles and rocks, and it's less disruptions to flow, so it's smoother, it's more efficient. And, uh, okay. and the, you know, the other the other win is that you'll no longer have an air filter to throw away. You'll be just cleaning it, you know, every okay. how many miles and reusing it for the life of the vehicle. Second question. They,
2: they said something about oiling it, too. I don't know if it's pre-oiled when you buy the original one or do you oil it after you clean it? No,
0: when, yeah. when you buy the original one, it does come pre-oiled, okay. all right? And mm-hmm. then, you know, you'll need a little, they call it an air filter or an air charger kit or a filter charger kit. Uh, and then you purchase one of those, and then you know typically again how much you drive. Every fifteen, okay. twenty thousand miles. Sometimes we do them every thirty thousand miles, but it's y- you do have the option of cleaning it whenever you want.
2: Okay, good. And uh, one other question. Sure. I have a, a 2010 F150 with a 5.4 liter. Right. And uh, I used uh, Mobile One, and I noticed that I uh, after about I guess about 2,500 miles, I was down a quart of oil. I have about thirty. 4,000 miles in a vehicle. And it just seemed like a lot to use. I don't know if it's a p- common problem with the Fords or if you agree with
0: that. They accept it. I don't agree with it in in the sense mm-hmm. that it's acceptable, but Ford says a quart every 1,000 miles. The majority of car companies today accept it. Is that right? It. Yeah, the majority oh, wow. of car companies are saying a quart every 1,000 miles. And, and the thing that gets me is, you know, okay, so a quart of oil is cheap. Never mind the annoyance and, you know, it's their way of saying, hey, we built a piece of junk and just accept it. But I, I wonder what that does long-term to oxygen sensor and catalytic converters because, obviously, the exhaust is passing out the tailpipe, and it's leaving oil residue it's in the sure. exhaust. It's, it's got to be – so, you know, it's the car gets to 140,000 miles, and all of a sudden it needs a catalytic converter, and you say to yourself, is it just worn out, or mm-hmm. is it because it's been burning a quart of oil every 1,000 miles or 2,000 miles in your case, and has that shortened the life of the cat? And it, it sure has the okay. potential where it would do that.
2: So. Yeah, you know, because with a vehicle, I, I generally don't even bother to check them. You know, right. it didn't seem like they ever use oil in between oil changes, right. and I don't see it smoking or you know, it's not noticeable.
0: Well, you won't yeah. you you won't yeah. see you won't see any modern vehicle smoke really because the catalytic converters, you know, swallowing all of it and it's trying oh, to. Okay. Yeah, it's it's, it's oxidizing yeah. it down and and you know, it's it's having its catalytic reaction. So, but okay. um, you know, yeah, that's that's acceptable. Welcome to the world of new cars.
2: Yeah, okay. Hey, I really appreciate it. I'm going to go out. I'm going to buy the
0: K&N. Great. Good deal, Bill. You have a good rest of the weekend. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm Ron Anany and The Car Doctor, Eight five five We're coming back right after this. The
4: don't want, don't
0: Welcome back. Ron in The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. More information, cardoctorshow.com. Keep in mind that phone number is 24-7, 855-560-9900. Call. Leave a message. We'll call you back and get you in the lineup for the next live show. Let's get over to our last call of the hour. Frank from Congress, New York. I, I notice I'm finishing out the hour with Frank every week now the last couple of weeks, but that's okay. I like Frank. Frank, what's doesn't going
4: make, on? It doesn't make it a bad thing, my man. How are no, we doing? Not
0: at all. Yes, sir. Very good. Very good. What's
4: cooking? Okay, let's get right to the subject. 2001 Honda Civic. Family. One of the family members has the car. Gets a recall on the airbags. Brings it in. They do the recall. Everything's fine. Three months down the road, the main sensor board in the car goes, brings it back over, to, finds out that Honda's the only one that can do it. They're the only ones that have the software to turn around, and Honda tells the family member it's going to cost a $1,000 to replace it and put it all back together. And if you don't do it, it's a safety hazard because it controls your airbags, it right. controls your seatbelt, right. and everything in the car. Right. If you get in an accident, It's your fault. How do you like that one?
0: So, what you're saying is you don't like the fact that the car manufacturers now have a proprietary hold over the majority of vehicles on the road today and they control the market. Is that what you're saying?
4: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Had a local dealership. I looked up the part. I know what the part cost. It was half that price. And, of course, when you go to a dealership, you pay any amount of money for that mechanic. Okay? Um, understandable, okay, understandable. But here you are, you're going to recall, and it, there's articles coming out in magazines and books saying that by the doing the recall, it's blowing the board. They're saying it's not, and it's the customer's responsibility.
0: We have a customer.
4: 2001.
0: We have a customer at the shop.
4: Thousand dollars to do that.
0: Now nah, we have we have a customer at the shop with a 2002 Civic. That went through the airbag recall, and she's been back to Honda three times because ever since, and I, I wonder what's going on here, and that explains some of it, that ever since now, she's, they've been throwing seatbelts at the car, they've been throwing modules at the car, it seems like they've got a problem that nobody wants to talk about. Um, but yeah, valid points, Frank. Hey, listen, where do you get to a 2016 car, and there's 114 modules on board, and Dealers are the only ones that can handle it. And if we let the industry get away from us like it slowly is, that's going to be the future. And in a very short period of time, four or five years from now, yeah, dealers will be the only ones fixing cars. But, Frank, listen, don't worry about it because the majority of people are only worried about what's on their cell phone, what they're looking at, and not necessarily about the car. I'm Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. Till the next time, the mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See
2: ya.